Welcome to Dead House. I'm Dylan. I'm Nathan. Sorry, I was yawning. <laughs> Caught you mid, <laughs> mid-yawn. Yeah, won't be the first of this podcast. Won't be the last, sorry. It was the first. Thank you for listening. By the way, let's start up with a straight-up shout-out to the listeners. Absolutely, yeah. This is this is episode five, so I was just saying we're like halfway to the first milestone of double digits. Absolutely. And uh, the listeners can't smell this, but we're currently recording this uh, with Rogan Josh slow cooking in the background. Josh Rogan, yep. It uh, uh, <laughs> smells good, man. It smells delightful. Uh, it's courtesy of my mother. It was not me. And today we are going to be doing an episode all about sequels. Sequels. The good, the bad, the ugly. <laughs> <laughs> What's a sequel? A sequel, well... See, I there's different types of sequels as as we discussed. So we've got sequels, prequels, and requels. Yes. And we should and probably break this down for yeah, people well, that don't know. When when we first pitched the well, when you first pitched this idea to me, I thought you just straight up meant sequel as in the second Like in number a, two. Just number two. Second yeah. instalment in a franchise. Yeah, which uh, confused me because I I went in with like mm. that, but then you started saying movies that weren't number two. Yeah, well, I mean, as far as I'm aware, like the word sequel just means it's a sequential film. Yeah, like, not as, necessarily. As you just the said that to one. me, that that completely made sense. But to me, a sequel is number two. Yeah. Well, when we've like gone through and considered what we believe some of the best ones are, most of them were the second one. <laughs> yeah. It, well, I feel like that's just in general. Number two is usually like the better one. Yeah. Three can be but then anything after mm. that is always dog shit well they usually do still try to like tie it in that early in the franchise and oftentimes it's still the same writers or directors so i suppose that's it's got that going for them yeah i mean you got the different kinds of ones where sometimes it's directly after the first mm. movie and that sometimes works sometimes doesn't yeah or you got ones that completely unrelated like there's a first movie it maybe does well and then they make a second movie yeah, that's yeah. in the same sort of realm of the universe that's true but is completely unrelated to the first one. Yeah, see, that that's a good point because that sort of brings us to our next part of this. So what we were thinking is we would kind of like define the difference between sequels, prequels, and requels. <laughs> Fuck, that's a tongue twister. Yeah. Well, requels is a, is a very new term. Exactly, yeah. That's only what been a thing in like cinema vocabulary in the last like five years or so. Yeah, sure. But uh, so, yeah, as we just sort of clarified, so a sequel is just any film in a saga after an original, yeah, not necessarily just, direct it's just, sequel. It's just any movie that's not the first. Yeah, that's right. Um, prequel, generally an origin story <laughs> set before an original. If you know anything about English, pre means before. So yes, anything that's set <laughs> set before a, the first movie. And requel, um, like you said, a new term, which is essentially... A sequel that's the same world, but new characters is, I think, what we agreed on. Yeah, right? I believe. Well, pretty much the name comes from it's it's a sequel that tries to reboot the franchise. Yeah. So, like, you got the recent Scream one where it's still in the same universe. It's got mm. a lot of the core characters, but it's not necessarily about the core characters. It's to bring it to a new audience. Yeah, like it'll be a remake in the sense that they're taking the original idea in the original world with like newer technology or fresh eyes. If there's like new cast and crew on board but a sequel in the sense that it won't just be the exact same plot of the yeah. first one so basically star wars the force awakens is a requel is what i'm now realizing <laughs> is that good or bad i haven't seen it eh, you don't really need to to be <laughs> honest it's all right okay and so i mean horror seems to get the most sequels out of any kind of film style maybe apart from action 
I mean, look at yeah, fucking Fast, Fast and, and Furious. Furious. <laughs> you get, get fucking 12 movies out of it. Exactly. I, I, I wonder I, why that is. Well, I reckon it's just money. Just because, money? <laughs> well, I mean, what story could they possibly still be clinging onto now from the original, in that saga, at least? Family. <laughs> That's all it's about. <laughs> I mean, I went and saw John Wick 4 at the movies recently. I think you did too, right? I did too, yeah. And I saw a trailer of Fast and Furious 10. <laughs> it's like, and I mean, John Wick 4 is, I feel different because it's like, you're seeing it for the really cool choreography in the fight scenes, right? Like the first one had a good plot, good premise, good acting. Mm-hmm. And then the next one's just up the stakes with the fights and, and the baddies. Yeah, those are those are hard movies because the John Wick ones know exactly what they are. They, mm. don't, they don't try to do anything different. They're yeah. just kind of the same thing over and over again which they do really well mm. uh but horror movies tech, it's usually kind of the same thing anyway it's like it's a killer that just slowly stalks mm. you know a group of teens is the is the big cliche one which probably yeah. comes from the old 80s slashes where that's what it was exactly like the yeah a lot of the slasher sagas i feel started in the 80s when you had things like halloween and nightmare on elm street and friday 13th where a lot of it is just a group of teens that get picked off one by one and mm. as a result there's a lot of sex <laughs> well, a lot yeah. of gore, a lot of sex. Yeah, that, that's that's what the horror horror movies were yeah. back then. Uh, well, that's why one of the reasons I love the Scream franchise so much is because it's technically the same thing over again, where it's a mm. group of teens that are getting killed by you know the same killer. Yeah. Say. But the way the whole thing is set up is it's a different person behind the mask every time. So yeah, true. They can kind of just infinitely make those movies. They can just keep yeah. making more as long as they can come up with a reason why the person yeah. under the mask is related to the story. See, we were talking about that before where it's like, it's kind of a fine line because some horror sequels will be good because they either, you know, further the story of the original by, you know, adding some curveballs or we get introduced to new characters that become integral to the saga, things like that. But then you've got other sequels where it will essentially just be the first film done differently. <laughs> or like what what I think makes a sequel like that good is that they raise the stakes so they might have like the same plot, but there'll be like better kills or there'll be more characters or it's a bigger setting, things like that to just kind of like I, really I, amplify it. I can kind of see that in the way of like if if the first movie is made, which mm. obviously it is, um, by maybe even a first time director. So we got Evil Dead, right? Yeah. It's made by Sam Raimi. Okay? Yeah. He's still pretty new. He makes it super low budget because he has an idea. Mm. And so they make it. Uh, it gets pretty popular. Mm. And then the Evil Dead 2 is kind of just his way of doing the same thing, but on a bigger budget. Yeah. Because now, now he's got these, um, you know, already established things that he can do. Mm. He's got, I think he went off and made a couple of other movies. Because what was the... Spider-Man. <laughs> oh, I think that was late, obviously. Um, but what was the what was the years difference between the first one and the second one? Like three, three years? Uh, I don't recall. The first on. one was 81. I've, I've got it written down here. Five years. Okay. So five years later. So in that time, he'd gone off and probably mm. done other stuff. And I think I read that the only reason he was able to make the second movie is because your man, Stephen King, yeah. loved the first one so much that he sort of helped get financing for oh, it. Oh, really? Like yeah. endorsed it in a way? Yeah. he. I think he had some producer friends that he was like, hey, you need to have a conversation with Sam Raimi. Mm. And they managed to, to produce it. That's cool. Uh, there was a weird thing though, if you've seen Evil Dead 2, the start of that movie is kind of just remaking retelling the the first one yeah that's because he didn't have the rights to it (laughs) oh okay interesting even even though it was his movie he somehow couldn't get the rights to the 
don't know, the actual footage. Yeah, right. Of it, so they had to just quickly do a quick remake, and then okay, and then he just tells essentially the same story again, but yeah, better. See, I thought it was kind of like Halloween Two, where the film starts with like the last scene of the original, just from a different perspective, like the camera's in a different place or whatever, and then it kind of continues from there. Okay. But I mean, filming what you say five years later, and it's still Bruce Campbell as Ash, so mm. there'd be like I suppose a minor like physical difference in his looks or whatever, because they were quite young in the first one. Oh yeah, in college I think, but they I were think... just getting higher constantly on that set. <laughs> yeah, and it sounded so like treacherous the mm. production of that film as well. So hopefully the second <laughs> went a lot smoother with more money. <laughs> well, I'm sure they had a lot of because I've read about the special effects, which I love in those movies. Mm. They look real because they are, and there was yeah, no, there wasn't yeah. necessarily set safety and stuff like. Right. Right. Because yeah, they ba- were getting injured, were they? Like on set and sick. Yeah, because if they there's a there's a scene in I can't remember which movie it is, but there's a scene where the camera, because it's the POV of the you know quote unquote evil mm. dead, um, the camera like is looking from outside at someone in the in the cabin. Yeah, and it forces forward and crashes the window. Yeah, to do that they just got the camera and put a plank of wood in front of it and just oh, rammed it just into <laughs> the window. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, so that's cool. It, it looks real because it is. Yeah. Yeah. See, I saw that for the first time recently and i've got to say i think it's one of the best sequels full stop ever made (laughs) it was so fun but why i just think like i said before it was just the same film but like (laughs) just more over the top like the the practical effects were just so excessive like you had that blood like projectile blood (laughs) spewing out of the walls like a fucking fire hose on him and it probably the reason many people love that movie is because it starts to lean more into not comedy, but the slapstick of it. Yeah. Like the whole yeah. scene where he's, his hand's possessed and he's, yeah, he's yeah. got to fight against his own hand. Like That's the iconic fucking acting by Bruce Campbell. It's so good. And even um, like, this is where Ash becomes more of like a badass as well. Cause like he gets the chainsaw <laughs> hand and the yep. sawn off shotgun and he becomes like, a real character. Yeah. He's more like confident. He's got like the attitude that Groovy. Yeah, like, yeah, like yeah. I can beat this evil kind of thing. Like, he just kind of like makes the cabin his bitch in the second one. <laughs> like, oh, yep, it's possessed by hand. All right, where's the chainsaw? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, fuck. There's, I think my, my favorite scene in that is when he's in the cabin and he's looking around and, and like things are laughing at him and there's like uh, a mounted deer head on the yeah, wall laughing at him. The lamp. Like, and so he just starts laughing <laughs> yeah. and then he starts bouncing up and down. <laughs> it's, it, it gets really yeah, like wacky. It gets like maniacal and then he just like starts screaming instead. <laughs> and yeah, it's, it's just... Like you said, it's actually really good acting. Yeah, now I, I think about it. Yeah, it's not just the practical effects. Yeah, and I think another thing, interestingly, that makes horror sequels work, or, or I guess a lot of the common tie is there's usually a familial link. Like mm. if you look at you know Halloween, like you find out in you know Halloween two that Michael and Laurie are siblings or adopted siblings, and do, do, then do you find that out in number two? You do, okay. yeah. I have not seen number two. Okay. Just putting that one out there. Okay. It's not good. It's <laughs> <laughs> I love Halloween and it, like I said about Evil Dead 2, it kind of starts where the second one finishes, where Loomis has shot him and he's fallen out the window and the body's gone. And then the first scene of Halloween 2 is like Loomis and the cop searching Haddonfield for the body or okay. for Michael. Um But yeah, it's just because it's like primarily set at a hospital. One of my biggest qualms with this is that he doesn't even have a knife. He's got a fucking scalpel. (laughs) He's hunting these like hospital staff down with a scalpel. 
you don't even see a lot of the deaths. You kind of like see him appear behind something or he'll, you know, they'll turn a corner and there he is and he'll lift him up in the air and then it cuts away. Like you don't even see a lot of the blood or anything. So Probably because it, it was a fucking scalpel. Yeah. So, well, that's not very threatening at all. <laughs> so it's kind of sounds like similar to the others where that mm. it, um, it, it is just telling the same story again, but it does it poorly. Like the, yeah. the, the kills aren't better. They're worse. Yeah. They're just not memorable. Like they're not impactful. Like the first okay. one where, you know, like the boyfriend's like stabbed to the wall yeah. and he's like yeah. hanging off the ground, things like that. Like it doesn't have any of those lasting effects in the kills, which in, in a film where it's so simple and it's just a guy with a knife running around killing townsfolk, mm. like you need them to be memorable or else that's all the film is. Well, what about the characters in that? Are they... Are they like new characters? Because the big trend yeah. of Halloween, oh, Halloween of um, horror sequels is just introducing a new cast of characters. Because mm. well, usually they're all dead by the end of the first one. Yeah, I mean, so Laurie gets taken from the house to the hospital and she's kind of recovering in a bed. So it focuses more on the cop and uh, like the hospital staff kind of like... Because they're doing night shifts. They're, you know, like just talking and mm-hmm. they're like sneaking away to have sex in the <laughs> hydro room and things yep. like that. Um, where there's a scene, guy or the chick essentially gets like boiled in the spa, which is kind of okay. cool. Kinda cool. Yeah, right. um, but yeah, it's because it was still written by John Carpenter and Deborah Hill. So obviously having that twist of Michael and Laurie being related and directly continuing from the first was all intended, which mm. I like. It wasn't someone else taking the reins and taking it where they wanted it to go, you know? Yeah, so it kind of just sounds like it had everything going for it. Like, same same people, the mm. original creator's original story. It should have been good. Yeah. That's so, what it sounds like. Well, what also is good about the writing of that is not only do they have that twist where Michael and Laurie are technically related, it also gives Michael motive for the first time. Because yeah. you don't know that in the first one. So, it's kind of just a guy that's crazy and evil killing people. So... While, you know, they argue in the first that that can be motive enough because he just likes to kill. In this one, it's like, oh, okay, so he killed his first sister and Laurie kind of becomes the one that got away. So now he's trying to, like, make up for that. So I just has a need to kill a sister. (laughs) He he doesn't want a goddamn sister. I, I don't know how he thinks. But, like, that's I liked that because even though it was poorly executed, it was good writing, at least, as far as sequels go. Okay. But, yeah, even on that, like, that family link, if you look at... Scream, mm-hmm. like the 2022 requel where you find out the main chick. I can't remember her name. Hold on, are you about to spoil it real quick? I think so. Am I allowed to? Wait, is this it only came no, out not, last not, year? Oh, not the one that came out this year. Go no. ahead. Okay, go ahead. Spoil <laughs> that. That's fine. Um, where you find out that she is like Billy Loomis's daughter. Yeah. Okay. That's also not a spoiler. That's just no. That's part of the movie. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, if you haven't seen that film. Like, I guess that's a way that that ties in like all these years later. And even like Friday 13th, where the first one wasn't even Jason. Yeah. Like it was his mum. So like, that's again, another pretty significant. They always just shift it down the family. Yeah. Yeah. So I feel like that's what commonly ties sequels in with originals in horror at least. But then, like you said, in the 80 slashes franchises, they just have the same film like Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2 and they just do it better. Or there's like more Mm. crazy kills and, Things like that. Well, I've got one that's also a familial link, technically, uh, to introduce the characters. Mm. Uh, it's Friday. No, I keep fucking mixing those two up. <laughs> it's because it sounds like Freddy. It, I keep I, going <laughs> to say Freddy, and it comes out as Friday. Nightmare on Elm Street six, right? So pretty, six, pretty fucking okay. far down the line <laughs> yeah. in the sequels. We're getting far fetched now. Yeah, Freddy's dead. Right, is what it, what this one's called. Okay, that one has a. It's 
So it's a bad movie. I'll I'll say that. It's okay. not a good movie. Okay. It's almost like I've only seen like the first 3 and the remake. So Okay. Well, the fir- the way I look at the whole franchise as a whole is like a bunch of mini series. Mm. So you got the first one, obviously great. That was groundbreaking. Mm-hmm. The second one is a good sequel, I think, because it is kind of telling the same story, but it flips a lot of stuff on its head. Like instead of a, you know, a scream queen main character, yeah. it's a teenage boy, still yeah. a bit of a scream queen, which is fine. Um, <laughs> but it goes from a, like a teenage boy's perspective and it also changes some of the, the core elements of, Freddy's motives, like instead of him just trying to get revenge and kill, yeah. he wants a physical form, so he's trying to take over this young boy. Yeah, okay. And so that that's a good sequel. You get the third one uh, where it introduces a whole new cast of characters, mm. but then it also has that link back to um, Nancy coming back to okay. sort of set up, yeah, this is, this is a sequel to the original, but it's shifting away to these new characters. Yeah. So then that movie happens. The next movie is based on those new characters that were introduced. Okay. Uh, so it kind of like finds its feet again. Yeah, like everything, all of the movies have a link to the next. Yeah, right. Whereas you get to the next movie, Nightmare on Elm Street 6, it's nothing. It's not got any link because it's, <laughs> it's like... It's got Freddy and that's enough. It's got Freddy. Like the last the last two movies before then were these two little, a story and mm. a sequel to a story in its own. Okay. But then that wraps up everything in a ni- nice little package. And then... This next movie is almost like the studio was like, all right, we've, we've wrapped everything up. Right. Let's put out another one. Yeah, but okay. this time let's kill him because it's called Freddy's Dead. Yeah. Uh, back to the main point I started that with is because part of the, the story of that movie is Freddy had a daughter. Right. Fi- sorry, as a child. Oh, and then later yeah, you find out it's a daughter. The poster had like a pram on it, right? Is that the one? That is, is that- not... The one I don't think. Oh, okay. I think that was a different one. Because okay. th- there's one of the movies called The Dream Child. Oh, that's where probably it. Freddy tries to take over the baby. Mm, whereas, okay. yeah, whereas number six, you find out that when he was alive, he mm. had a, a child. Interesting. Okay. And even the way they go to kill him doesn't even make sense. Well, it does, well, but it doesn't make sense because... Is that the... Like, is it... that They kill him in the dream or they kill him in reality? Well, so I'm talking about when the franchise tries to kill him because oh, it's almost okay. like they're trying to say, all right, we're done making movies now. This is the final one. Mm. Let's kill him. But they kill him in the same way that they killed him in the first movie is just bringing him into the real world and killing him. Yeah. So okay. How is that final? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's like Friday 13th saga where it's like the final chapter, <laughs> then the next one's a new beginning. But I don't mind that so much because it is in like the final chapter, I think that one. Yeah. It's they do kill him. And that's mm. fine. And then the next movie, it's not even him. And then he comes back in a supernatural way. Yeah, okay. Where uh, technically this sort of is the last of those Nightmare on Elm Street movies. Yeah. Because the next one after that is a super meta Scream-esque. Like it takes place in the real world. Mm. And then the one after that's a remake. So that was the last of that sort of continuity of movies. Yeah. That's interesting because that's kind of like the opposite to Halloween if you look at like... I don't know, the first two films and then like the new trilogy, the David Gordon Green trilogy, yep. because it's like, instead of being supernatural, like Freddy, then to reality, it was kind of like the other way around where he started as just a dude with a knife and then became this like supernatural being. Yeah. Like later on. Which I did not like. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yes. <laughs> I, have my, I have my reservations about the latter films in that saga, but yeah, wow. um, it's kind of like, see, I liken sequels to 
like fans that just want to hear musicians play the classics like decades into their careers. It's like if if I bought tickets to go see, I don't know, Metallica, for example. Okay. They just dropped a new album last week. If I went and saw Metallica, like I still want to hear Master of Puppets. You know, I still want to hear Ride the Lightning. Yeah. But you know they're going to play some new stuff because they just dropped an album. And like people like that, like yeah. I, I feel like it's that with horror where that could be part of the reason as to why the production companies just churn out the same film in a different context. But then I guess you've got the argument is like, is that what like fans actually want? Well, maybe because cause if, you, if you're churning out a new movie every year, eventually some of them are bound to be good, right? Like, <laughs> it's just a numbers game at this point. Because yeah, well, like, I, I, I like the storylines to tie in. Like I, I want to see sequels that have some kind of connection to its predecessor and its successes. I don't want to just see the same world. Okay, but that could be, but that could work though. But that's I guess, just, I, guess I guess, well. I guess at that point, it's not you're not watching it because of that familiar story. Yeah. You're just watching because of goods. Because like Cloverfield's mm. good movie, Ten Cloverfield Lane is a very good movie. It's technically a sequel. It's yeah. not, but it has nothing to do with the first movie. It's just good if like on its own. And there was another one, right? It was like the Cloverfield Paradox. Yeah. yeah. Which. Yeah, I think also has nothing to do with yeah. the first two. I was going to say, I have no idea how it ties in because I have only seen Cloverfield. But it goes into sci-fi, I believe. Yeah, so then you've got like the same... Well, I, I guess that kind of is what I was saying at the start. So it's like that same world, but like completely different, you know, characters, completely different story. But mm. like, was Cloverfield a universe? Because the first one was just like aliens came to New York and it's like handheld footage of these people trying to survive in the subway tunnels, right? So like, yeah. did it really create a universe? Well, yeah, because they made a sequel, yeah, which well. is te- technically set in the same universe. Yeah, interesting. It's, it's, well, like in the future, I presume, where it's like the aliens have now yeah, they don't inhabit the planet. I, I don't or... think they spell it out or anything like that. It's just, okay. it's almost like they had a movie idea, tagged it onto an already existing movie, mm. and which is what they did for American Psycho 2, where they had a, an idea for just a generic fucking slasher movie with yeah. the girl as the villain, Mila yeah. Kunis. Um, and then the studio was like, yeah, let's just rework it to be an American Psycho sequel because that was a popular movie. Yeah, And weird. so they did that and it's fucking awful. So they wrote it with no intention really of having any relation to That's the... exactly right, yeah. Weird. Okay. And then they just tacked on a few scenes to make it relate to the same universe. See, that deliberately sounds like it's for the money. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. But um, yeah, just talking about Cloverfield reminded me of like alien invasions and shit. Um, I mentioned it in the top five episode is A Quiet Place Part 2 I thought was a brilliant sequel and that kind of starts immediately after the first one. It's like the first one ends and they're at the farmhouse or whatever and mm. the second one from memory opens with like she has just fired the gun yeah, and well, the I, aliens are swarming the house. I hadn't seen it until yesterday. I, re- oh, I, I watched it for the first time. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, I didn't have any sort of like idea of it going into it except for a couple of scenes or trailers I'd see. Mm. I thought it would have taken place later, like years later, some, yeah. sometime later. But yeah, no, it opens up well, directly afterwards. Yeah, and I guess the way that they get around that just being the first film again is there is like got some heavily featured flashbacks which mm. kind of makes it like a sequel and a prequel in one because yeah. like I remember in the trailer like there was John Krasinski in it and for those who <laughs> have not seen the first one, you would be surprised. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it just kind of worked because it, it kind of had the family progressing in this world. There's new characters introduced. They go to new places in the town or whatever, yet we're still seeing what life was like beforehand or even as like the aliens crash landed. Yeah, I'm fine with that as a sequel because 
it's not like the first one tied everything up. It's not like they defeated the aliens at the end of the first one and then they somehow make a sequel. Yeah. It, I, they, I'm guessing they probably made it so so that they could make a sequel. Yeah. And that might be something different, different where some movies are made and they leave it open-ended so mm. that either they can create a sequel or they already have a sequel in mind. Yeah, I would have to look into it because I don't know how many like classic horrors I like were written with the intention of having a sequel. Oh, I pro- think, probably none. Like you said, I think they just would de- deliberately... Was I just trying to say deliberately? <laughs> probably. <laughs> I, I think they would just... Man, we can't record a single episode without one of us fucking up a simple word. One day. I think uh, if it's got more than two syllables, we're doomed. <laughs> um, I think sometimes they write films with an ambiguous ending, so they've got that option. But yeah, A Quiet Place, I don't know, because it... It came out relatively soon. Well, it was shot and edited relatively soon after the first one, but they didn't want to drop it in the middle of COVID. So yeah. that kind of delayed the release. But yeah, I'd have to look into that to see if it was intended. But I reckon it had to. Mm. Interestingly too, while on topic of Aliens, <laughs> uh, we should probably talk about what I think is one of the most iconic sequels in general, which is Aliens. Yeah. 1986 sequel to Alien, one of my favorite films. See, this one was directed by James Cameron. So this wasn't really Scott but it definitely kind of had that more of an epic approach to to the filming. Like, you know, this is the guy that did, I believe, Titanic, Titanic and, and Avatar. Avatar. So yeah. he's used to, you know, blockbuster productions. And this, like we said in previous episodes, is kind of more of like a science fiction action yeah, film. Yeah, I mean, there's people out there who would even argue that it's not horror. There's wrong, people out there, so. <laughs> like I know people who have said they prefer this to Alien, which it is quite a different film. But I, I'm so indecisive about that because I like yeah. I love them both for different reasons. Exactly, exactly. I, I lean more towards the first one because of the atmosphere it, it creates and the tense, mm. in, the tense nature of it. Whereas the second one, yeah, it kind of just does, like I said before, it does the same thing, mm. but with a like bigger cast, yeah. with bigger actors, like Bill Paxton mm. and. Others. <laughs> yeah. R.I.P. Bill Paxton. Oh, yeah. He was also in Predator 2. So they kind of like he, planted that seed before AVP. He is the only man to be killed by a Predator and a Xenomorph and a Terminator. Because <laughs> yeah. he was in Terminator Oh, one, true. Oh, shit. What a man. Oh, yeah. um, and I mean, this and, is... And Twister. <laughs> and Twister. Dude, I love that film. Philip Seymour Hoffman again. Oh. Yeah. But yeah. See, this is... A great example of a sequel that raises the stakes but also continues the story because we get introduced to the alien queen. Yep. Um, you know, we've got multiple xenomorphs. There's not just one not on a just, ship now. Yeah, it's like a whole one. fucking colony of the soldier aliens. Um, Ripley becomes a badass in a mech suit. Oh, She's got yeah. a flamethrower. We get the iconic get away from her, you bitch line. Yep. Um, and interestingly, what I really liked about this it was it kind of brought out Ripley's like motherly side because she had a daughter in the first one. She finds out she's been in cryosleep for like fifty seven years or something. Mm. Not cryosleep, hypersleep is probably the technical term. Yeah, the same thing really. Um and obviously the daughter has aged and died in that time. So finding Newt, this young girl that would have been about the age of her daughter in the first one, it's kind of like filling that void and she can be a bit softer and not this kind of mm. soldier that she's become. And yeah, that's just that 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 whole series does a good good way of like progressing her character from like the first movie she's just some 
person on a ship mm. who's she's not a, even like a marine is she she's like a no, an engineer or yeah, i don't know what she something. is she's just someone on a ship yeah just transporting stuff and then she's just more she's a real victim in the first movie mm. and then through through the movie she she doesn't really fight back too much because she's yeah. she's just sort of trying to survive but then the second movie yeah she starts to really fucking become a badass yeah starts fighting back to them and i think a lot of it comes from anger because like when she f- like hesitantly agrees to go back <laughs> to the planet she doesn't know until she gets there that people there were like studying the facehuggers and the xenomorphs and things whereas yeah. like she just wants to like nuke the whole site yeah well that yeah the, the movie does a really good job of like it doesn't just continue the story it expands the universe because mm. you've got the humans now studying them so naturally as a as a viewer we're going to start learning more about the backstory or the yeah. physiology like you know, they have a queen you didn't know that in the first one yeah yeah that's right, which is quite interesting too, because it's more than just. Oh, I just, I just love how much thought was put into the whole, the whole life form of the the organism. It's yeah. just like Some, a gestational. Something period that and, I'm not sure of how I feel about in this particular movie is, mm. like the first one, it's just one, yeah. and it's super scary because it could be anywhere. It's it really makes it feel. Like, you know, it's a typical slasher. There's one thing trying to kill everyone. Yeah. The second movie, all of a sudden, there's like hundreds and dozens of them. Yeah. Well, there's hundreds, yeah. but there's dozens of them. I don't know if that kind of takes away some of the fear factor. Where, because um, now all of a sudden, the Marines can just kind of try to mow them down. And it, yeah. the more you have of it, the less scary it is. Look, that's a fair point, but I think they find ways to still like work in that suspense of the first one. Like the water scene where Newt's like separated by that grate between Ripley and. And her in that water and you see like the tail come up like behind her and then she's gone. It's just like the doll's head floating there. Oh, yeah. um, even like the nest where they get like the bodies get cocooned in that mucus kind of mm. thing. Like that was a deleted scene um, with the character Dallas in the first one. So they introduced that into the sequel as if this is the first time you're seeing that part of their anatomy, which I thought was really oh, yeah. smart. Yeah. So like I think they do find ways to make it scary, but it's definitely not as like nail-biting is the first one yeah. where you can see like how formidable just one is whereas in this one like you said there's like you know thousands of them swarming the air vents and they just mm. mowing them down with chain guns oh yeah because so that's the one with the scene where there's like the the auto turrets yeah the yeah that's right yeah. see that kind of built tension you can see like the ammo depleting and it's like fuck are we gonna run out of bullets before they get in yeah but it's a lot of tension but it's it's just saying oh yeah like the xenomorphs are just easy to kill yeah really. that's true yeah Something but, I mean, I do, they have acid blood. Yeah, true. Something I do love about that that movie did as well is they take sort of the concept of a character from the first movie mm. that's the android and it's like sort of a villain of the first movie and then like Terminator, they swap yeah. it around so that now this android's a, a good guy. A good that character. was good. Yeah, Bishop becomes quite likable. And then be- because of the first movie, you've got this like sort of layer of distrust between mm. her and the android because she's like, well, I've had bad experiences with androids before. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And... I think just one more thing I wanted to mention as well because it kind of tied in with Evil Dead 2 in a way is, you know, like when he fucking cuts his hand off and it's possessed and it's crawling around the room and trying to attack him and stuff. Yep. That kind of reminded me of the scene in Aliens where Ripley and Newt are locked in the room with the facehuggers. Oh, that's a, yeah, that's a really good scene. Yeah, and I thought that was a cool kind of like parallel. I'm, re- I'm, re- I'm re-watching that movie tonight because <laughs> it's good. I just haven't watched it in ages. Yeah. So yeah, there's some there's some good ones. What else? What else we got? What's another sequel? Um, I mean another another good one that I kind of forgot about until we were talking about doing an episode on sequels was Doctor Sleep, 
which was yeah. like a belated sequel to The Shining, came out in 2019. And this is very different to The Shining, but has a lot of like nods to the first one in visual references and things like that, yeah. or like I, quotes and flashbacks. Yeah, another one that you mentioned um, when we were talking about the episode that I'd not seen. So I went back and also watched it yesterday. Yesterday was a big movie day. Yeah. I was, I didn't expect that movie. I okay. I, th- I thought it was going to be a lot more The Shining Part 2, mm. like a, sec- a sequel to The Shining. Not yeah. that that's bad at all by any means, but I think it was advertised a little as like no one dares, like don't dare to go back. And, like, yeah. It's, it's it's a Shining to the sequel. Yeah. So, Fuck <laughs> me. Sequel <laughs> to The Shining. Sequel Holy to yeah. The Shining. Yeah. Um, yeah, but then I don't know... If I liked it as much as you did. Okay. Because it, it was fine. It was yeah. a good movie. I love Ewan McGregor. He mm. is amazing. Um, yeah, an interesting casting choice, but I thought he did a really good job at playing an adult Danny Torrance. Oh, yeah, he nailed it. Um, I, don't, I, th- I think the thing I don't like about it is the first movie, like The Shining, was just three characters mm. locked away in isolation with a man going insane, which yeah. I'm a huge sucker for. But then the second movie, it's... It's not scary because it's it's in the real world. It's open. Mm. Um, you got all these new characters, lots of them. Their psychic abilities now have like really strong, like they're superheroes now. Yeah. Well, I guess... And it takes some of the fear out of it. Yeah, because I suppose, like we said before on this pod, is isolation is one of the biggest like conventions in horror. And The Shining is like the epitome of that. <laughs> and Doctor Sleep is only set at the Overlook Hotel in like the last quarter of yeah. the film and it's like over two hours yeah but i think it's a different kind of isolation because dr sleep kind of really focuses on the shine as like a superpower as opposed to just like hauntings or you know going insane or possession or whatever yeah it kind of delves more into like personal isolation like they could be in in a crowded room but still feel alone because they're different to everyone yeah, else okay i yeah, I don't really like psychics, and so that's probably why I didn't, mm. I didn't like it as much as other people. I liked it more when it was, yeah, I don't know, well, like not yeah. as prevalent in the mood. Like The Shining isn't about his psychic ability. It's mm. about, you know, Jack Torrance. I, unrelated. Well, sort of related. Right. I couldn't stand in that movie the recast of um, uh, Jack Nicholson. The, the played Jack Nicholson. Oh, it, it looks yeah. so bad. And fucking Sherry Duvall, Shelley Duvall. I thought she had the voice right. Like she, the had, she had the voice and of, mannerisms, but yeah. I just didn't. I just didn't like it. Yeah, They're just the recast me. I mean, they, obviously they had to. It was fucking mm. 13, 18 years later or some shit like that. Yeah, wait, yeah. no, like twenty years later. Um, but I didn't like it. Okay, okay, that's it looked, fair. It looked awful. And I think another interesting thing about this film is Danny kind of becomes a mentor. So he had Dick, who was like the caretaker. That yeah, he did. Like got, the, <laughs> <laughs> like got the axe in the back as soon as he steps in the door <laughs> in The yeah. Shining. And anyway, there's a lot of like flashbacks of like when they got introduced, but before he died and his dad went insane um, as him kind of like teaching him how to use his mind to kind of like lock away these Mm. traumas. And he kind of uses that in his adulthood and sort of teaches the the new young Danny, Abra, to Mm. do that. And she's just like way more powerful. And then there's now this like psychic cult called the True Knot that like eat shine. Yeah. They're like, use tele- telepathy or telekinesis. I get them confused. Uh, <laughs> what are they trying to do? One's reading minds, the other's moving shit with their mind. Oh, kind of both. Okay. Yeah, um, they-, they, they like use that, I guess, sense to, to pick up on kids that have the shine, mm. kidnap them, torture them because the pain makes it like pure or whatever. And then they like breathe in the mist that they 
exhale or something when they're dying. Yeah. So it's it's pretty like dark, but well, yeah. I mean, there's a whole scene of them torturing and murdering a little boy. Yeah, that was like that caught me off guard when I saw it the first time because I thought that was kind of like stab him and then eat his shine, but it's like drawn out and yeah. and yeah, it's intense. But interestingly too, uh, like I was saying, it's got a lot of the same references as the first one. Like there's the axe, there's the blood out of the elevator. Um, you've got the bar scene like you're talking about before where mm. we've got the abhorrent um, Jack Torrance impersonator. <laughs> yeah. Um, things like that. So there's a lot of references and like the film opens and ends with that like old lady in the bathroom. Yeah. So that was a really cool nod, I thought. Uh, I guess on the way that it was shot, this was written, directed and edited by Mike Flanagan. So he had like full creative control over he, this. He didn't direct it, did he? He produced it and he wrote it. I'm pretty sure. It. I'm pretty sure he directed it. Look it up right now. I, I look it up right now. <laughs> I'm not waging any I money on it. Because I watched it yesterday. I'm pretty sure it was directed by some other guy. Okay. I might be misleading Mike, Mike, our listeners. I mean, Mike Flanagan has, he's most known for the Netflix shows he did, Haunting on Hill House, Haunting by Matter, and my personal favorite, Midnight Mass. Really good. Midnight Mass was not bad. I really liked it. How dare you? It was amazing. Yeah, I mean, I only saw like bits of it, but what was what was the one where it's like the kids in the, the book club? What was that one? Midnight? The Midnight Club. Yeah. The Midnight Club. I really liked that one. Well, I still haven't seen that one. <laughs> also, I just Googled it and he was the director. Fuck you. So, <laughs> all right, I withdraw so, my statement. So, yeah, he, he had his finger in all the pies. And I think he's also been signed on to try to turn The Dark Tower into a TV show, I think, which my... Dad is very keen for. Well, I know. I know he was. He had plans to do something along the lines of Fallen House of Usher. Mm. So I thought that was his next one. Yeah, he's just a fucking busy man. He is. I didn't think it was amazing, but I thought it was good, and I liked that it's a sequel that ties in with the first, advances the story, um, but it's also like same world, same characters, but completely different yeah. film. Yeah, it was kind of similar to Aliens, where it's it's a sequel to the first one, but kind of shifts genres. Like it's not mm. necessarily a a horror in the terms of its... I don't even know what it is. It's... Yeah. Yeah, it's... It's different. It's very different. Anyway, what else else we got? What's another... What's another good one? Saw. Saw Saw? Oh, man. This is, like, an underlying theme of every episode. (laughs) We always come back to Saw, and it's for good reason. It's good reason. It was mostly good movies. Uh, Saw 2 in particular, because it's, you know, the the, the one that was made directly after the first. Mm. Well, I say directly, it was... Yeah, I think it was made a year after, like the following yeah. year, where Saw became super popular. And it's, again, they they take the core values and story of the first one. You just mm. get some people and lock them in a room, subject them to horrible traps. Yeah. But it's bigger and better. There's more people in the room. The traps are crazier. Mm. Um, there's a lot more Good story to it. Oh, great soundtrack. Yeah, yeah. very metal. Um, there's a lot more story to it. It's all about like kind of one thing. Yeah, because I mean, apart from like... Amanda in the first one or like the occasional cop or whatever. It's mm. just Jigsaw and the two guys in the room. And there's all the stuff about like Zip. I think it's his name, right? Zip. I can't remember. It delves into the story of like a bunch of different characters. Yeah. And obviously the traps have become like the most, I guess, alluring thing of that franchise where in the first one, apart from like the reverse bear trap flashback, it's just shackles and a handsaw. Whereas this one, you've got like... Well, the first one also has the like the razor wire maze. It's got the... Oh, the one that yeah. I, everyone forgets about is where he locks a guy naked in a room with like flammable jelly oh, on him. And, and he's, got the to, candle. he's got a candle. Which, yeah. there's no way to win that trap. That's I've, true. Because I think there's a broken glass on the floor as well. Oh, uh, okay. So, that, 
a bit unwinnable. But yeah, mm. but yeah. So then the Saw franchise kind of really leaned on the trap yeah. aspect of it because that's what people wanted to see. Yeah. But especially those first three movies, like the story is kind of the best part because it's the it's the two guys from the first one that did the first three. I think so. That's why they kind of okay. feel really cohesive in their own right. Yeah. Again, there it might have been. Well, I. I kind of doubt that one was made to be mm. more than one movie. Yeah. Because Saw 2 was... They still found a way to have a cool twist in it as well at the end. Well, yeah. Every, all of the Saw movies have a twist. Yeah. But I just, think... They I think get the, progressively worse. They get progressively worse. <laughs> and the second one is way better than the first one. Mm. Like, because it kind of hints at it you know, a couple of times throughout the movie. Yeah. In like dialogue. Like he... Because he speaks yeah. in riddles. Like Jigsaw often has like puns or yeah. things like he that. He talks in a way that every word he says is important. Yeah. Which I love. Yeah, it's yeah. good writing. Yeah. Well, essentially Saw 2 is instead of like a couple of people chained in an old bathroom, they're in like a whole house, aren't they? And there's like what, five or so characters? Yeah. I don't know exactly in how many, but yeah, they, they start in a room, but then they get... It's like an escape room where they get out of yeah, that first essentially. room and then they go through different parts of a house that they're trapped in. Yeah, and there's more clues. and that one, Something I really love about that movie is each of the traps is catered towards one of yeah. the people in there. Yeah, it's like, to do with like what made them a bad person or things like that, what got them in there, I think. Yeah, that's, that's probably where the sequels get the main theme of like, you're in the trap for a reason. Mm. You have to prove your worth to get out. Whereas yeah. the first one... It's not necessarily you have to prove your worth. He's kind of just revenge. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. Because I guess in the second one, like one that comes to mind for me was the needle pit, and it's because the chick that gets thrown in there, or she, like she was an addict. So yeah, yeah, Amanda from the first movie. Yeah, yeah. So that's the one like tailored to her, and then there was a guy that like, has to crawl in a furnace or something because like someone died. I think because he like, was an arsonist or something. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. Well, he yeah, because he was also the one that kidnapped them all. That's right, yeah. And um, yeah, and they have like numbers on the back of their necks, don't they? Or like they do jigsaw yeah. puzzle pieces like branded onto their necks and that dude like people refuse to tell him what he is so he cuts the skin yeah. off his own neck to read it. Yeah, it's numbers to get a combination for the... Because they've all been injected with a poison or poisonous gas, I think it's in the room. Mm. And then yeah, that's the what they're trying to get is a cure. Yeah. Um, and then it turns out the cop's kid is like locked in a safe this whole time mm. like outside of the house yeah so the whole time the what it the movie is showing two different sort of storylines mm. and then you find out that they're happening at different times mm. so that was really cool yeah that was well done and then yeah the later sequels just kind of go off the rails and get awful yeah yeah but yeah second one probably the most memorable i think like possibly more memorable than saw i think in my mind just because there was like more traps so there's mm. like more there's excitement. Just, there's just more of everything. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It just takes the first concept and amplifies it, which is from, I guess, what we've determined from <laughs> discussing sequels just is what makes a good sequel. Yeah. Just take core ingredients and make it taste better and feed more people with it. There's now a cooking podcast. Had <laughs> <laughs> a pinch of salt and a um, <laughs> heavy serving of paprika. Uh, but yeah, like another... See, speaking of saw, I know our listeners... Are probably over this, but uh, we, we just got to do an episode on Saw. We'll just talk about the whole franchise in yeah. one episode to get it over and done with, flush the system, and They've then we can move on. Again. Um, or the Bloom House or whoever produces Saw can sponsor Deadhouse. 
It could be called. I was gonna say we could blend Bloomhouse and Dead House, but it would just be Dead House <laughs> or Bloomhouse. It could Dead be called House. House House. Yeah. Um, like after a bunch of sequels, and then the prequel Jigsaw, and then you've got Spiral, which was kind of like a spin-off. Like I don't think it had any of the characters. There's just reference to Jigsaw, the person, and to the murders of the previous films. Yeah, that just becomes one of the. One of the sequels where it's set in the same universe but has nothing yeah. really to do with it. See, I thought that was terrible. <laughs> I did not enjoy that at all. And like Chris Rock. Is... Oh, okay, that's the one I haven't seen. Then I, I thought, oh, okay. I thought you were talking about what was it? Just Jigsaw. Jigsaw was... with like the buckethead trap in the okay. opening. No, Spiral. Spiral's different. It's like this hotshot cop and this new guy comes in and they're working together on these cases that look like a copycat killer. And yeah, it's just it's not great. Like okay. the the traps aren't great. The acting is like the dynamic is off because you've got Chris Rock that's like a loose cannon and he's like yelling in the office and stuff when it's not necessary and I just didn't enjoy it. Okay. I mean, that's that's usually a big thing for sequels I've found is it really depends on the like who they pick to be the main characters. Yeah. Final Destination 4 yeah. is my least favorite from, yeah. that, from, that, from that franchise. Yeah. And it's mainly because of the characters. Like the, well, fir- the first one had a great cast. You got fucking Devin Sawa. Yeah. You got... Sean William Scott. I think because they were likable characters. Yeah, they were likable. Horror kind of fell into this trap of making the characters unlikable mm. so that you like to see them killed. But yeah. I don't like that. I'd rather see likable characters. And then if they do get killed, then it's fucking gut-wrenching. You're like, fuck, I wanted that guy to survive. Yeah, yeah that's true. That's true. Interesting point. I think um, if you've got an ensemble cast like a lot of these slashes, because if it's a slash horror film, people are going to die. You're going to need enough expendable characters <laughs> to endure yeah. the 90 minutes of the film. That's all. Um, yeah. I feel like you'd always need at least one character to be likable because that's the underdog that survives in the end, in most cases. Yeah. Well, um, yeah, that's usually the final girl. Well, I, yeah, I, I guess those movies though, that's when it's the horror movie that's made about the villain. Like mm. you get the Friday the 13th, like uh, later movies. You don't give a fuck about the characters. You, you're seeing it for Jason. Yeah. And so you don't care about anyone else. Yeah, see, because we spoke about Final Destination in the Top 5s episode, mm. and we spoke about how like the first one's really good because it introduces this concept of like death as karma and mm-hmm. that you can cheat it, but you'll never escape it in the end. And then, like Saw, I guess, as the films go on, they kind of get a bit more liberal with like <laughs> the ways that people die. And it's kind of like... You know, instead of just these more elaborate traps, it's just wackier ways of people to die. Like, is the fourth one the one where she's got, like, her head stuck in a sunroof in a car when it's going through a car wash? It is. I mean, she doesn't die. No, but, but it's like a close call. But it is one where it's a guy <laughs> gets gets stuck on the bottom of a pool uh, and get his insides <laughs> ripped out from his fucking anus. So that's, just, that's a bit how you're going. That was... Funny, because it like shoots out the pipe and just splatters yeah. it. Like, yeah. and I love the shot when you see just his sternum like become Cave, concave, just caves in. Yeah, <laughs> that was comical. Yes, it was gory, but yeah, comical. Yeah. It wasn't so much shocking or as it was funny, and it, I don't think it meant to be. Yeah, no, it was awful. Um, they all that was also when they started leaning into the resurgence of 3D. I'm pretty sure because mm. a lot of the kills in that are like things blatantly flying at the camera yeah so okay. it was made for 3d but then when you watch it not in 3d it just looks fucking terrible yeah because that's the one where the premonition is the nascar race going wrong yeah right yeah, yeah. the worst yeah it's, it's the worst of the you know big um cataclysms at the start of the movie mm. except for maybe five but it's the worst one of that it's 
I think a really important part of those movies is the freakout scene okay. when, when the person has the premonition and then they've like got to slow, get everyone out of there. They've got to slowly realize that something's gone wrong and then try to get everyone out. And the first one did it so well with fucking Devin Sawa's just panic. Mm. Second one was good. Third one. And I feel like it's was different. really good. It's different because, like, if it's a plane, like, if everyone gets off the plane, like, it's a whole ordeal, things are postponed, people aren't going to be where they're going to be on time. It was just a group of friends leaving a car race. <laughs> like, it doesn't impact everyone there, whereas, like, evacuating a plane does. Yeah. And he just, yeah. The the way, I don't know, know the actor's name, but he doesn't sell it. <laughs> he, he's a terrible, the terrible actor guy? in that scene. Yeah, the main guy. Yeah. Just the way he does the freakout scene is... Not good. It's not believable. Mm. Like, to be fair, I think the end sequence was kind of cool. Is that the one where, like, he kind of says that, oh, look, what if we didn't escape death and it's going to catch up to us? And they're, like, in a cafe or something. And then the semi-truck, like, comes through, crashes through the wall, kills them. And then the credits are, like, skeletons being crushed. Probably. Because that wasn't too bad. But, <laughs> I mean, if it- the best part of a film is the end credits, then you've done something wrong. Yeah. <laughs> Another one that... This is going to be interesting for us because it's one that I didn't enjoy, but you didn't mind, was the Friday 13th requel, the 2009 one. Yeah. Because it was, I think, marketed as like a remake, but Jason is the killer. It's not the Muller, so... Yeah, that, it, that's where I was... Conf- I'm kind of confused on what to even call it. Because it's not... Because if you define requel as set in the same universe mm. um, with the same sort of core characters to expand on the story, yeah, it's not... It's not. It's it's just not. It's not a remake mm. of the first because it's not the mother. It's not a sequel because he's different to the you know sort of canonized movies yeah. that have been there. And it's not like it's a remake of the second one where Jason first becomes a killer because they make references at the start of this one to the killings that happened at Crystal Lake many years ago. Yeah. So, it, so it's deliberately set like long in the future. It's almost like it's a sequel to a remake that never happened. Yeah, so. pretty much. Pretty much. But yeah, but you you didn't like that. I didn't mind it at all. See, I think for me, it's kind of like the opposite to Halloween 2, where I think Halloween 2 was well-written, poorly executed. I think Friday 13th, the 2009 one, was well-shot, but atrociously written. Like, and, and acted. Yeah, the acting. Like, apart from Jared Pellet. What's his name? Pat- Padalecki yeah, from Padalecki. Supernatural. Yeah, apart from him, like, didn't recognize any of the others. They're all played typical, like, horny, yeah. like, arrogant well, teenagers. Well, that, that's where we go back to the... They were they were written into the movie to get killed. Yeah, it's the slasher type cast, I guess. But, like, why... So, the whole purpose of the film is that, like, the main guy's sister was part of the group that were killed. And then it's like... Months later or something, I think it's oh maybe six weeks later. Like he's searching all over town for her, putting up missing posters and things. Finds this group of teens that are staying in this cabin in the woods, ominous much. Yep. Um, and then he it's like less of a cabin, more of a mansion in the woods. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> they're rich people. Um, and then he finds the same group like later in the film, staying there at Crystal Lake, and turns out like you find later in the film that Jason is like living somewhere on the property in this like underground lair where he has his missing sister like chained up. Why? I, Why has he held someone captive? I think I think cuz they kind of hint that it reminds him of his mother. What a, a 20 something year old girl reminds yeah, him okay. of his this mother. This is Jason. He's fucking inbred <laughs> and dumb and he I think cuz he might slightly look like her. I don't know, maybe he wants a girlfriend. He's just misunderstood. <laughs> yeah. But, but no, yeah, I the, the thing I love about that movie is Jason. Like the 
The, he, he's kind of scary, I guess, in the original sort of movies. Built but like it, a brick shit house. He it, runs. Yeah, in this movie, he's he's te- he's terrifying. He yeah. he's setting traps for them. He's setting bear traps. Yeah. There's one scene where I think it's that movie where he like traps them in a sleeping bag and then yeah. hangs them above a fire to roast. Yeah. It's like holy shit. To be fair, the opening scene was awesome. That's when that happens. <laughs> yeah. Like, okay. Everyone's having sex and this one guy that's like fifth wheeling or whatever is like out in the woods and he's listening to music. And then another guy finds like just his severed ear hanging by yeah. the, the headphones. That was cool. Um, and then you get the bear trap scene and the sleeping bag over the campfire. That was sick. Then the title card comes on and the other like 80 minutes of the film <laughs> I have to endure. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's a movie where you have to wade through some shit to get to some good bits. Yeah. Like, like it, was, it wasn't bad. But it wasn't good. It was just kind of like mediocre. And for such an iconic franchise, if you're trying to reboot that, like you've got to put some effort in. You've got to have some like more notable actors and actresses. You've got to have a bit better story than like something, you know, littered with plot holes that has very little connection to the first, you know, or second. So I just wasn't impressed with like how it was as a sequel. If this were a standalone film and it wasn't Jason Voorhees, it was just like some killer you know, it might be an alright film. Okay. But well, I that's kind of the way I do view it. I do view it as its own standalone film okay. that's got nothing to do with Friday the Thirteenth. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, I guess we'll just have to agree to disagree on that one. Let's disagree to agree. Speaking of <laughs> agreeing to disagree, I believe you had another one that uh, I thought was good. Again, not great, but you were disappointed. Yeah, so why don't you tell me what that one was? Uh, glass. Oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't write that one down. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, because it's a, kind of a weird franchise because the first movie, I don't know if he made it to be any more than what it was. I think Unbreakable, because that was back in like 2000 or something. I think that was generally meant to be just a standalone thing. Yeah, and then Next Claim Split, which... See, that was like... Similar to Cloverfield, where yeah. it's it's not even revealed to be a sequel until the very like end credit scene of the fucking movie yeah yeah and so you see bruce willis's character what's his name um the overseer david dunn you see david dunn in a bar or something like seeing the news report yeah so that like that makes it split become a sequel and Mm. then glass is meant to be this culmination where they take unbreakable and they take split guy i don't know any of their names yeah um i think and pin them against each other yeah but it just falls so flat because they end up just taking the two characters Mm. putting them in a fucking mental hospital gaslighting the shit out of them to yeah. say they're not special. Uh, and it just it's just not good. See, to be fair, I think I would have... See, I loved Split. I thought that I was I loved awesome. Split. That would have been a but, great standalone But not film. because it's a sequel. Or Yeah, exactly. I mean, even if they left that post credit scene or whenever it is of David Dunn, Bruce Willis's character popping up to like plant the seed there, but they never did anything with it, I would have liked that. I feel like Glass mm. was unnecessary. Completely unnecessary. It's- yeah. Because, I mean, Glass is referring to... Elijah, who Samuel L. Jackson plays, and it's a guy that has like super brittle bones. Mm-hmm. So he takes on the persona Mr. Glass because he's like got the brains. He's super smart, like an evil mastermind, but he's extremely vulnerable. Yeah, but yeah, I don't know. He's it's not even like he's that smart. He's, he's kind of a smart yeah, guy. He's just kind of like a slight. Well, actually, hand I guess he is because in the first movie, he, he engineered all those fucking tragedies, didn't he? Well, yeah. So that's how they tie it in is because he like caused the train derailment, which. I guess gave no Bruce Willis his no, powers, no. or where he learned he had the powers. Yeah, he learned because they explain in the first movie that 
Mr. Glass. Mr. Glass has been doing this to find someone like that. Mm. And then it just so happens that, yeah, Bruce Willis' character was on the train. So now he's found him. Yeah. Because he's okay. like, because his whole thing is about there being opposites in the world. And so yeah. if he's super brittle um, and like, fucking will you know stiff breeze will fucking break his bones yeah then there's got to be someone out there who's super tough and just mm. doesn't get you know, doesn't get sick or something like that yeah and so yeah, he true. finds him i don't know i'm in two minds about it because i thought it was well shot and it was well written i guess in the sense that he tied it all in with the other two i just don't think it needed to exist and yeah. i mean if you're gonna cast samuel jackson in a film at least have him say motherfucker at least once <laughs> did he say it in the first one I don't know. Probably that was not. that might have been pre his motherfucker days. I don't know. Shyamalan. I mean, I'm biased. I'm a big Shyamalan <laughs> fan, but I feel like he's quite restrictive in his coarse language in his films. Well, I suppose he makes them for families. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, I mean, yeah. The whole the whole film just fell flat. It yeah, didn't need to exist. I mean, to be fair, James McAvoy, like insane character acting. The way that he plays like twenty different personalities, sometimes in a single shot, and he has to like change facial expressions and vocal tones. Mm. Like that was sick. But you know, we kind of explored that in Split. You get so, that in Split, so yeah. it's, it's irrelevant. You don't need that again yeah. necessarily in another whole other movie. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, they kind of like say that. Mr. Glass is orchestrating this plan to kind of have the three of them fight it out at the top of this new skyscraper that's being built in the city. And yeah. then they just never make it out of the car park. It's like anticlimactic. It is like this, this big and, fight happens. And then, yes, wait, to, to, to spoil the end, fucking Bruce Willis' character drowns in a fucking two-inch deep puddle. Yeah. Like, that is so anticlimactic. Exactly. You've got this super strong dude and he gets killed. In, you know, the amount of liquid you'd find in your cereal. Yeah, that's that's so dumb. Yeah. And, and I mean, it's just like, even when even the fighting scenes are not super elaborate. Like, I know that they they both have superhuman strength. Obviously not Mr. Glass. This is, you know, the beast, I think he calls himself, yeah. like Kevin's character. Um, and David Dunn. So they're just kind of like grappling each other and taking turns, slamming them into a van. And that's pretty much it for like 10, 15 minutes. Yeah. Uh, unbreakable wasn't necessarily a superhero movie. It was a movie about I don't know, a guy discovering as technically he has powers. Yeah. And then his relationship with his son. And I can't remember much about that movie, to be honest. But then mm. Split wasn't about a super villain. It was about a crazy guy who kidnaps, you know, a bunch of girls. And it's yeah. the movie's about the girls more than it is him. Well, you actually find out in the end that he is a victim. Like the reason he's got multiple personalities is because of yeah. his abusive childhood. Yeah, but and that's the, his like coping mechanism. But the movie is like a kidnapping movie. It's not a supervillain movie. Yeah, but then, true. but then this third movie, it's just a superhero movie, mm. and it's not a good one. It is very much on the nose, like the way that they like make all the like comic book analogies and mm. that kind of thing. If it's, I want to watch a superhero movie, I'll watch a superhero movie. If not, I want to watch a not, not, not a half-ass superhero movie that's kind of <laughs> pretending to be. It's not even horror. That's not even a horror movie. Yeah, the. Most most horrifying thing that happens in that film is probably do you remember when mr glass is a kid and he's on the like teacups or whatever oh and yeah. he's getting like thrown around and then it shows a shot of him like on the bottom of the teacup and he's like all like disfigured and yeah yeah and, and that's not even like you know gore or fear it's just i don't know shock yeah, I, but, I wouldn't even call Unbreakable a horror movie. Maybe Split is the only one I would call a horror movie. Yeah, yeah. I feel like this was definitely more thriller, but because it ties in with Split, which kind of like almost seems like an afterthought, the way mm. that it ties in with Unbreakable. Um, like, I, I don't even know if Shyamalan wrote Split intending it to be a sequel initially or, or whether he just, he just wrote it and idea. then at the end he's like, you know what? 
Yeah. Chuck it on there. Yeah. But yeah, I agree. It probably did not need to be made. When we've spoken about like what we consider to be bad sequels. So when you look at things like Halloween 2, Final Destination 4, all these kind of things, they're just kind of taking the same premise um, and they're just kind of like piddling it on its last legs to get <laughs> all these other ideas out of things that are not core to the story or the yeah. characters. So They're just trying to make money. Yeah, I think that's what it is, man. I think when you're getting into sagas that are like in the double digits, the only memorable things are insane kills. Like we were talking before about Jason X, mm. which is in space for some reason. <laughs> and he like holds the chick's head in liquid nitrogen, solidifies, and then smashes, smashes it on it. the table. That, yeah, that's the best kill in the like, fucking franchise. Our good, our good friend Jaden and I talk about this scene a lot where he just does the best sound effects. It's like... <laughs> <laughs> it makes you laugh every time. So oh. shout out to Jaden if you're listening. It's good. Um, yeah, and then like we've spoken about the Dream Warriors kill where he's got like the, the marionette the, kid yeah, in the hospital. Stuff. Yeah, it's like those kind of things um, that I guess stand out later in the films but it's not anything to do with characters or stories so they just get to a point where you don't care about the movie but they'll have some cool moments yeah so i guess in in summary we're cool with sequels you know it it lets us live in that world a little longer but a lot of time we're just watching it for entertainment value it's just escapism yeah which you know sometimes you just need that you don't always want to dissect a film when you're watching it (laughs) put your technical lens on we just want to watch some mindless crap that has vaguely yeah, you know, related to something you like. So that's yeah. pretty much it. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, yeah. Again, follow us on all the socials. Deadhouse Facebook Pod. and Instagram. Deadhouse, Deadhouse Pod. Yeah. That's- I think uh, we're recording this in advance, but last time I checked, I believe it was, what, 75 likes on Facebook and yeah. about 50 followers on Instagram. So yeah. we're tracking all right for two guys that probably only told their <laughs> friend circle and immediate family about the pod. So yeah. I thought no one would listen. So that's, that's yeah. a bonus. We just want to share our love, horror, and hope people enjoy. So. Yeah, we'll keep doing this if no one's listening. That's right. <laughs> Absolutely. If it means we can sit opposite each other, a meter opposite each other and lock eyes for an hour, then I'm there. <laughs> Absolutely. All right. Uh, we'll catch you guys later, man. We'll be right back.